Hopefully everybody has uh, an outline, I should say, overcoming difficult problems. Anybody had any difficult problems lately? Probably not. One or two, maybe? Well, for the one or two of you, yeah, this is going to be a great message. Yeah, I think uh, it's the name of this season, difficult problems. If not one thing, it's just the other, right? And uh, some of these problems can be pretty heavy and others lighter, but... Uh, at least inconvenient, and uh, we're somewhere in between with all of the situations we're dealing with uh, these days. And uh, one thing I've found uh, that really helps with regard to difficulty is just other people. And I think one of the hardest things about this thing that's happened to us is the isolation from one from another. And so the you that have had to been isolated for a while, and I see a couple of you that have been in the hospital, it's really hard. The hardest part is being alone, you know, just being away from everybody, right? So um, just good to see everyone here and uh, um, just encourage you to just continue with your fellowship and belonging. One thing we have for uh, you that would like to get a little closer to us, maybe you're newer to us and we have a whole bunch of newer faces, is on Wednesday nights uh, we do some classes and we have like four or five training classes, but I have a class called Life in the Spirit and we start at 6.30, worship starts at 6 and you can bring your kids, something for the kids all the way from zero all the way through uh, 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 high school. And um, so there's child care and all kinds of that offered, but and we can make it a family event. But in my class here, I'm mentioning that, I meet, we just meet here up in the front. And uh, what I do is uh, I just uh, kind of acquaint you with our church. I get to know you. It's kind of a place for newer faces and newer people. And we've always tried to keep that in place because sometimes you just want to get connected, but there's no real landing point. And a good place to start, I think, is with the senior leaders. So I've done this all through the years, every month that goes by. Uh, I'm doing something like this so uh, people can feel connected and kind of get to know what the spirit of the church is and kind of where we're going, what we think. So I just wanted to mention that again. And we've been having a great time so far. It's been really awesome. Again, that's on Wednesdays. And we have a, about five or six more weeks left, I think, in the trimester, maybe a little bit more. So come on, jump in. It's fine. No problem. Uh, we've been studying along, and it's just getting good right now with regard to my class as far as I'm concerned. So, All right, so let's read from Second Chronicles chapter 20. A few people had some difficulties. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites came, uh, with some of the Mennonites, whoever all those are, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat was a king, a Judean king and uh, awesome king, but he finds himself with a problem. Unlike most of the kings, he found himself in this difficult problem, and it wasn't his own fault. It wasn't his fault. He didn't do anything to deserve this. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazan Tamar, that is in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So like when a huge army comes against you in those days, uh, this is like winner take all. They come and they take everything. Your life completely changed. You become a slave or you weren't. Most of your family's killed. This is bad news. The nation's destroyed. So this vast army had the potential to do that. So this was no small problem. This was overcoming a giant problem. So we're talking about difficult problems, but if we can overcome and see principles in this giant problem, then maybe in our lesser problems it can be helped today. The Bible has so many examples like this, and it's so instructive. And I love to tell stories because stories I remember uh, more than almost anything, right? Jehoshaphat's one of my favorite. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? 
You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? So he's remembering the past of what God did for them before. This is one big problem we have. We have a lot of amnesia going on. We forget. We get a problem. We forget that God ever did anything uh, good for us. We forget that we ever had any problem. Suddenly it's just about this problem. So he's thinking in his mind, now wait a minute. We're here. You drove all these inhabitants out for our ancestors. Then why, why wouldn't you help us again? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before the temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear, hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. I love this line. Maybe some of you find yourself in this place. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. How many during this crisis have found yourself in that place? <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what to do. This crisis sort of went off the map. <laughs> you know, I've been through troubles before, but this whole national, international thing, and then tangling up my job and all the rest of it, wow. So we don't know what to do, <clears throat> but our eyes are on you is a very good prayer. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. So this is a massive thing. Everybody's involved. The little kids, everybody. We're all involved. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite, and descendant of Asaph as he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who, in, who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Now, how can he talk like that? Well, that was way back then. They had the Old Testament. They had the covenant. Did you know that the New Testament, the New Covenant, is better than the Old Covenant? It was bought with the blood of Jesus, right? So the battle is not yours, but God's. So anything that comes against you, what? Comes against who? Jesus. Have you made that connection yet? So you've got to draw that right out of the Scriptures, but even more so with Jesus. Hi, Heidi. Nice to see you. I keep seeing people pop up. <laughs> it's good to see everybody, by the way. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, give you Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. Now, it's interesting. So it's one thing to get a prophetic word or a promise from the Scripture. It's another thing to believe it, right? <laughs> so this mighty army is coming. Okay, Jehoshaphat, go face them. That's the, God's answer. Whoa. Is there another answer? Like, couldn't we do like the earthquake thing or the hail and the <laughs> lightning thing, just something else? You know, we always have another plan. But wow, the unthinkable. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. So now, so... This is uh, a prophet speaking. This isn't an audible voice. So like, okay, he wants us to go face this enemy right 
face to face, violate already. And it's just his word, it's the word of this prophet. So it's not a, 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 a loud voice, it's not a thundering from heaven, it's just a guy having a word. I think he should probably go face them, right? But they believe him, right? He just needed a word like that. I found one thing about words and promises from the Lord. When you're sensitized to living by the promises of the Lord, when you live like that, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You have to be sensitized to that. So when you get a word, you need to be able to recognize it. If you live without the word and words and promises and haven't had to battle for other things in your life, then when things come to knock your block off, you're not ready. Matter of fact, lots of times we get trained by our lions and bears so we can deal with our giants. So all that little stuff that happened to you, seemingly insignificant stuff, all the ways you, you, you stepped out in faith, all the ways you believed in the promises of God are meant to pay forward to even this kind of situation right now. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Joshua stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you'll be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you'll be successful. Amazing. I just think it's amazing that he's responding. He's mobilizing the entire nation, and now they're going to fight, right? After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Now they're singing. Like, I wouldn't have been my exact choice for this, but they're singing. You know, they're worshiping. I just think that's amazing. So in the midst of all of the stuff that they got to do, whatever it is they got to do, right, the warfare and the, all this, even our lives, the, the decisions we have to make about our businesses and about our jobs and about our children and about us, all of this, right, at the head of the army, is people singing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Is there something in there for us? Wow. Worshiping the most high God. In that act, they're putting all their trust in one place, even though they've got these soldiers that are marching out ahead. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. Not only had they won the battle, but actually these people destroyed themselves, but there's plunder. There's all this money out there. So I, I like to think about that a lot. <laughs> right? Less work, more money. <laughs> like I go through a trial, Lord... I want double for my trouble. So I get that from the scripture. I didn't hear somebody say that. I thought, well, that's a nice poem. I like that poem. You know, No, it's right from the scriptures. We'll see. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. So they get out of this tragedy more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Barakah, which, by the way, means praise, where they praised the Lord. See, they praised the Lord before, and they praised the Lord after. This is why it is called the Valley of Barakah to this day. Then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, uh, 
for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. Can I read that part again? How many would like rest on every side? Your business side, your children's side, your health side. And the kingdom of Joshua was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. Lord, I pray you would give your people rest on every side. I pray there would be so much uh, victory, Lord, that we would get double for our trouble. I pray, God, we would get better jobs. We'd find more opportunity. We'd see relatives and friends saved. And we'd come out of this with double. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we look at the story, there are just a few things that I have here on the outline that I think might be helpful. First of all, turn your eyes to the Lord. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on who? On you, God, on, on you. And so they were alarmed. They fasted and prayed. They came together to ask help from God. And I, I just think as we look at verses 3 and 4, it's really very important. Humility during this time is really, really important. So this whole thing of coming together, seeking, and fasting, God gives grace to the who? The humble. In verse 12 and 13, our God, will you not judge them? They're praying now. We have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So the first thing they do is, and look at it, it's so amazing. All the men of Judah... And this is like a five-alarm of fire with their wives and their children and the ones, everybody, nobody's exempt. Everybody's standing there before the Lord. And I just think that's just amazing because even the prayers of children count. Everybody counts. Everybody's in this. Everybody could have been killed. Everybody counts and is a part of the answer, right? I really love that part of this thing. If we turn to Psalm 51, I want to just read a couple of verses there and also, Isaiah 57, uh, verse 15. I, Psalm 51, verses 16 to 18. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. So this thing of turning your eyes to the Lord involves humility. So I think that in the environment that we're in, there's a lot of unfairness, there's a lot of wickedness, but somehow or another, there must be a way for us at the same time that we have to stand up for ourselves at times, stand up and be heard, that also we don't become arrogant. Could I just encourage you about this? One thing I do not want to be is as arrogant as the people that are oppressing and causing the problems right now. You understand? It's really, really important. God gives grace to who? The humble. Now, you can be humble and still stand up for yourself, so that's an interesting thing, and the Spirit will teach you the difference. Sometimes I smell the way people are acting and reacting in this, and I smell pride and arrogance as the same thing that I'm feeling from other people that I know for sure are not acting like they should. We've got to be real careful about that. And the reason why we can be careful about that is because God's the warrior in the end, right? He's the solution, and He's the one, right? And it's part of turning your eyes to the Lord. We don't know exactly what to do. God, I haven't figured everything out. And that's the only thing is, with regard to watching the news too much, is there's a lot of people giving a lot of solutions. I don't care if you're conservative or liberal, but the thing is, there's a lot of daunting things here. There's a lot of nuances. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff here, you know? And so, you know, if you act like you know what you're doing, you say, you could say anything almost. 
You know, and most of us, if you're afraid enough, will believe anything, whichever way you're going, right? But I like this. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken and contrite heart. You, God, you won't despise that. That's a good place to be in. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Now we're going to get a little bit more into this, but we gave up sacrifices today. The New Testament sacrifice is a sacrifice of praise. Some of you gave gifts to the Lord. That's another sacrifice. So we still offer sacrifices. We just do it in a different context because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, right? But this whole sacrifice, oh God, broken and contrite, that's why I love worship so much. Because it gives you a chance to be contrite. It gives a chance to bring worship sacrifices. And when you do it with your, all your heart, and you know, it's just such a beautiful place. And you can feel God on it. You can feel God on it. That's, that, that feels great too. But it's the right way to direct, direct your attention to a problem. You're worshiping God. You're honoring Him first, right? And in that humility, you can feel grace because God gives grace to that act of humility. And we humble ourselves in worship. You know, see, that's why worship is like not just anything. Worship is part of our whole address to God. It's part of the whole thing. We might not be saying anything. God fix this, God fix that. You don't have to say that. You just worship God, right? Isaiah 57, verse 15. For this is what the high and exalted one says. How many think God's high and exalted? Well, that's about 75% of you. Good. Do it well. <laughs> he who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place. I think we got that part. But maybe you hadn't got this part. But also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. The repentant too. So... I don't know about you, but I need all the presence I can get. And when God's close, you know, he walks softly, but he carries a big stick. Sometimes he doesn't walk softly, right? To quote an ancient president, right? But see, the thing is, God faces our enemies. And so this contrite heart is a place where we can dwell. It's also a place where we can get amazing answers, right? So the magnificent promise of praying to your Father God through Jesus is in the new sanctuary. What do I mean by the new sanctuary? Well, so we're talking Old Testament here. They've gathered before the sanctuary. All right? So let's see how Israel was taught to deal with their problems from the sanctuary because that's where the literal presence of God dwelt, right? So if you wanted to humble yourself before God, you wanted to connect with God, you wanted to plug into God, that's where you went. Everybody went to Jerusalem. They went to that temple because everybody knew that was literally... Literally, the physical presence, the glory of God was in that place, and it was the place to go if things got really serious and you really needed something from the Lord. And of course, everything they had and the festivals and everything was built around coming back and forth from that temple several times a year, all right? So as we look at Second Chronicles chapter 12, I mean 20, sorry, uh, verses 12 to 15 again. So look what it says. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there. Where? Where were they standing? Before the Lord. Then the Spirit comes on this guy, and the answer comes, right? So the Lord was right there, right there uh, in their sanctuary, right? He was in that place. 
So this is really important for us to understand as we then begin to pray to God, right? But what's the new sanctuary? Well, that would be us, you and I, right? We're the new sanctuary. So God inhabits the praises of his people, but we are, as 1 Peter 2 says, we are living stones. So in the New Testament side, there's still the sanctuary, but in this place we also offer up prayer, right? So we offer it individually, because we also are individually the temple of God, but together we're the temple of God. So that's great, parade around, we're the temple, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the question is, like, do you take advantage of the presence of God where God is literally dwelling? And the way you take advantage of this is you pray, right? And so just, that's the way Jesus taught us. So one of the greatest privileges we have is to gather in Jesus' name, or even individually, in the temple. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit individually, but also there's something that happens when we come together that doesn't happen when we're not together, right? John chapter 16, verses 23 to 24. And that day you will no longer ask me anything. See, the change took place because of Jesus, right in that space. Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. But this is irrespective of the temple because it's about to be a new temple. That is, when people gather together, there's a temple. And also the Spirit of God was about to come and inhabit individuals who know Jesus Christ. Until That's why things shifted with Jesus. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you'll receive and your joy will be content uh, we be complete so now we're asking from this temple that's what we are that's why we emphasize prayer so much it's at the core of solving difficult problems that's why matthew chapter 18 has this incredible promise and this is why we gather together on days like this we've already been praying we've been worshiping right truly i tell you whatever you bind on earth so what do we say lord bind this this problem, Lord, that we're having at the border. Lord, bind this disease that we're having in our area. Lord, bind, 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 Lord. And just fill in the blank. Whatever you bind, it's a corporate you, on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Why is heaven supposed, why, why is heaven involved with this? Because it's the demonic powers, the authorities that are behind every earthly authority. And when we do this, we're binding and loosing higher. Now I'm looking at a couple of you just from my conversations this week, over here and over there, and uh, you've got a little trouble, you got a little trouble in your business and trouble with some things that are attacking you and people treating you unfairly. So the amazing thing is, Lord, I'm not sure exactly what to do, but my eyes are on you. Now, Lord, I'm going to get my members of my company here together, my wife and family, and now we're standing here before you, and we ask you that you would bind this situation this unfairness, this attack on us that's trying to steal from us. We pray, God, you would loose instead prosperity and grace and safety. Lord, my relative is sick. My husband, my wife, my friend. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I stand with my brother. I stand before you. I bind and loose. See, this is the thing that's happened. This, what we're studying here in the Old Testament, is foreshadowing what was going to be in the New Testament, and it's even more glorious because in Jesus' name we have this access to heaven that nobody ever had. They had animals, and, and when they could get to Jerusalem, great. But this thing here now, total accessibility to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Again, truly, I tell you, verse 19, that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. New temple right here in this place. Living stones, right? That's what we are. We're living stones in the new temple. And we offer up prayers, God hears.
and even just two or three of us gathered together, Jesus is right here. Have you lost the significance of that? Sometimes while you're overcoming difficult problem situations, you lose the significance of that. It helps a lot to get this habit of understanding how to pray, how to see God's face before the difficulties come, before you're up against something serious. But even if you don't, it's a great time to get started. Matter of fact, sometimes God jumpstarts you to a lifetime of understanding how to pray, how to interact, how to overcome difficult problems in the realm of prayer. You were prayerless before, and somehow your difficulties works it in you. And if you have a prolonged system, uh, a season of difficulty, and you're boring with your prayers, I'll tell you what, what God does is He puts that permanent thing in you, and you never lose it. Many of you know what I'm talking about. Could it be in this time that God's putting a permanent prayer... <laughs> thing in us, corporate and individually? Could it be this is being built in us for the future? Could it be that now is just a foretaste of great glory coming? Because you can't overcome the church. You take us out, then that's another problem. While we're here, it doesn't even take a bunch of us. God comes with two or three, and he listens to everything they're saying. Well, it's just two or three. You know what? wonder if two or three of your children ask for something. Do you say, well, I guess I don't have enough people praying, you know. <laughs> no, those people are precious to you, those kids, right? And their prayers with you and your family and stuff, it's precious to you, right? And what you're praying about for them is precious, right? So this is all about making your battle the Lord's battle. And this is exactly, if you look on your outline, this is exactly First Second Chronicles chapter 20, what they did in that time. And this is exactly what we're doing today. And it's fair enough to say that we are making this the Lord's bat- battle at this particular time in history, don't you think? This is exactly what's happening. And so I want to just read again uh, from Second Chronicles uh, uh, chapter 20. We'll go back, verses 12 to 13. Okay, so as we look through these passages, there they are standing there before the Lord and doing all this. And uh, So the thing is, you always have power to conquer fear and discouragement and be strengthened by the Lord, always. We see verses 12 to 15, this whole thing, the Spirit of the Lord comes on somebody. Can I just highlight that? So they're all standing there praying, and then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, and he gives us prophecy, right? And as a result of the prophecy, you can see the whole thing lighting up. It's suddenly like they were there like dry tender, and all of a sudden somebody lit a fire. That's what prophetic activity does. So that's one way we make the Lord's battle our battle, right? So God gives us strength in those situations. Isaiah 40 is another great passage. This is 27 to 30. I want to read these verses. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. So that's God asking directly to Israel. Anybody done that lately? (laughs) Maybe you didn't do it, or maybe you did. I think there's a lot of people that have been doing that. And maybe... I don't want to pass over this one. Because sometimes we can do this, and we do it, but we do it in a sort of concealed way. We would never want to say out loud, well, I just think God doesn't care anything about me. But by our actions, by our voice, by what we do, we walk it out. Sometimes 
we've been around prayer and religion so much that we just buy into this lie. My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Can I just say to you today, your cause is never disregarded. He's your dad in heaven. He died for you. He was crucified, shed blood for you. So don't act it in the actions or casually. I don't care how bad the situation is. Your, car, your cause is not disregarded by the Lord. So you can make your battle the Lord's battle. And that's part of the process. Then he says this. They say my cause is disregarded by my God. Verse 28. This is what God says about our current mess. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary in his understanding. No one can fathom. He gives strength to who? So especially if you're in a weary place, in a dull place, in a sad place. He increases the power of the weak. The problem is, are you hardened to the place where you can't receive it anymore? Did you go past weariness to hardness? He says, we've got to go. We've got to stay away from that place, right? Because the Lord wants to give you strength. He wants to give you an answer. He wants to help you. He may not answer your overt problem right there, but he can come inside of you, strengthen you on the inside, and make you notice it. Because sometimes weariness and that place makes you miss all the answers because you're too dull. You can't see an answer when it's knocking on your door. That's why you need strength for the weary. That's why you need to increase the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who have their hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And the interesting thing is, you do that on the inside, right? Before sometimes the Lord comes on the outside. So important that we stay in this place because that's where all the answers are, right? We have to make our battle the Lord's battle, right? So there's a transition that has to happen in every area of our life. And sometimes life can be so stinky, Right. It can be so horrible. It can be, you know, and it can be so uh, secular. Like God is a million miles away from this business deal. God's a million miles away from my house, my school. My God's a million miles away from you fill in the blank. Right? And we get hardened to it. And it's so important to let the Lord renew our strength because it's by faith that we get the victory. My righteous ones will live by faith. Right? And so sometimes we just need strengthen an inner person to make the Lord's battle our battle. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Great, I've got my strength renewed. Now what's the, how about my problem? Oh, that's the next part. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And in your faith is the most precious thing you have because it's going to require all of that to deal with demonic supernatural powers. If the weapons that we were dealing with was just the government, no problem. But it's beyond that. Supernatural powers are involved with this, and they can only be defeated on another level with our faith in the name of Jesus. This is why they got this victory in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Are you kidding me? They're singing, and, the, the, and, and then the, the enemies go, Hey, I think I'll kill you now. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> they sing, and their enemies kill themselves. That puts worship in a different light. You sing and your enemies kill themselves. <laughs> the demons that have been stalking you, ah! <laughs> go crazy, right? That's amazing. So here's another part of this whole thing. 
Let's go back to Second Chronicles uh, chapter 20, okay? So I want to just say this. This is really, really important. I think you've been listening pretty good already, but this is really important. This is, this is worth the price of admission here. I found this over and over again in my life. All right, so this thing that happened is pretty cool, right? They still had to go down and get the plunder, but that was sort of easy, right? But there are many battles that you have to take part in. Now, what wasn't easy is climbing out from that nice fortress in Jerusalem and walking into this battle. That was the hard part. That took faith, right? That was their part. Then the other part was, the Lord showed them, okay, now post the Levites in the front and sing. You guys sing. <laughs> I'm singing in the battle. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, if I'm one of those guys, I'm thinking, I'm about to get annihilated and I'm singing. What am I singing for? Obviously, they were working with invisible faith. You were doing that today. Some of you sang, and it was everything you could do to begin singing here because things have been so heavy. It took you like 15 minutes just to get warmed up, right? It takes a while sometimes. But this is the most important thing you have. You always have power to conquer this fear and discouragement that comes in you, right? But here's another thing. As soon as that's broken off of you, listen to this next step. This is really, really important. And, and in my battles, I found it's really, really important. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid uh, or discouraged, right? But then he says, tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz. So he says where they're going to be coming. And you'll find them at the end of the... You find there's where your enemy is going to be, which isn't comforting. You know, a vast, vast army. We're talking about a whole bunch of armies all together here, guys. We're talking about 15 guys coming up. I think we're going to attack Jerusalem. No, like it's some, this is enough to make the whole country came up and, and have a time of fasting and prayer. But then, guess what happens? They get the answer. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. But nevertheless, you've got to go out and face them. Can we just praise and worship from inside Jerusalem? That would be better, wouldn't it? Let's just do that. We can do that part. No, you go out. Here's the word of the Lord. I want you to go out and face them. Now, here's the thing. If you look in your outline carefully, listen and look for your part, the part that you're supposed to play in the battle. What have you left undone? What is it that you're supposed to do? Now, I've solved in my life, not me, but me and the Lord, many problems because I've found, I've come to this place of faith and encouragement that it's the Lord's battle, but then comes the hard part. Many times I have to listen. Okay, what do you want me to do about this? What is it that I should do in faith towards solving this problem? What is my response? And sometimes that response may require every bit of faith that you got, right? Everything you got. And so this is really critical. I've seen, I've had so many problems solved in this particular way. Um, so I'm worshiping, I'm in a good place, but then I listen. Okay, God. What's my part? What's been left uh, undone, right? And so um, this really, I have like dozens of practical examples of this because when I learned this principle, I realized that was the next step in my faith, right? Not only worship and praise, but also the next step. Okay, so what do I do as a seed of faith to make this better or to respond to whatever you're giving me, right? So another th next thing is, Praising and thanking God for His goodness. We've already been mentioning that, but 
praise and thanksgiving do something in terms of warfare. It, it stirs the Lord to battle for you, right? And so God sets ambushes after they worship. And God gives a new song. Literally in the Bible we see this. Sing the Lord a new song. Strength the where he opens prison doors. Now how powerful praise is in itself is really quite remarkable as we look through the scriptures. And there's just so many references to this, but I'm going to tell a story in a moment that maybe uh, everybody can recognize. And uh, it's the story in the New Testament in Acts chapter 16. So let's just read Acts chapter 40, verses 1 to 3, these amazing promises. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear him and put their trust in him. So I felt like even when we were worshiping today, there was kind of a new song atmosphere. I, I really like that. And then we read in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 to 31. Again, why do you complain? Those who hope in the Lord, but he says, who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. Have you not heard? Don't you know? But then we look at Acts chapter 16, verses 22 to 40. And uh, this isn't exactly what I think of when I think of um, soaring on wings like eagles. But see, this thing goes beyond the natural, this at place we get with God, but ultimately affects the natural, which is really critical. This is a famous story. Remember Paul and Silas? The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to him. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword, was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul said, no, don't worry, we're all here. He calls for the lights, he gets saved. Next question is, sir, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll be saved. He gets saved. The whole thing turns. Now they can't get rid of him fast enough. What is that that turns this thing? What is that about worship that turns this thing? And This whole thing is just so remarkable, right? So, like sometimes there's nothing to do but worship. Sometimes your worship gives you the right spirit to go, okay, what's the next step to do? What, what's wisdom for this situation? But a new song is amazing. It's symbolic of embracing a new attitude toward God to change the season of your life. And it's all throughout the scriptures. And many of you have heard my story, and uh, there's so many of you have heard it, I'm not sure how many, but you know, one of the most dramatic things that ever happened with regard to all of our missions work is what happened in Cambodia and how the leader of our movement survived after being thrown into jail with the Khmer Rouge. And what he did was he was so sick and so ill, so overwhelmed, you know. He had a visitation from the Lord, and uh, the Lord told him to stop eating. That, I like that. He's already starving to death. And then he began to worship two things, stop eating and worship. So he began to worship this little song. You've heard that song, I've got a river of life flowing out of me, makes the lame to walk, the blind to see. I've got a river of life flowing out. Evidently the angels sing that song. But he told me they don't sing it in English, they sing it in Khmer. That's what he said. <laughs> so we got the secondary version. Evidently it's a Khmer song, it's a Cambodian song. 
But he was doing this. He, he, what he was doing was he, he was making the battle, the Lord's battle. And as he did that, as he did that, the most amazing thing happened. The angels opened up, the, the heavens opened up. He saw the angels singing the very same song. And then instruction came to him. The Lord said, don't eat and don't drink anymore. Just wait. So he stopped eating, stopped drinking. And finally they took him out of the cell and they put him in uh, a place where he actually began to recover in a hospital. And then late one night, he, he got crawled out the back door when lightning hit the compound and people out there, and he crawled out to the fence and somebody rescued him. That's how he got out. So this praising during the, in the Cambodian prison, the interesting thing about all that was the guy next to him who was a general and the guy next to him who had been a politician in the previous regime was asking him, what's that song you're singing? Teach us the words. So before long, he had the whole jail cell singing, I got a river of life flowing out of me, makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. And the whole jail, the entire jail, gave their heart to Christ. While he was in jail, he converted an entire jail just by witnessing and sharing. Some people owe that eternity, their eternity to that visit. But if that visit hadn't happened, they wouldn't have known God. So God had a divine appointment for him. And maybe in our season that we're in, Maybe there's a lot of divine appointments here. I'll tell you what, be st look for the divine appointments. Don't get so overwhelmed financially and overwhelmed physically and overwhelmed politically that you don't see opportunities. Bitterness and anger will help you miss the opportunities. But when the whole culture is weak, the whole culture needs something to sing, then we are the ones that provide a new song. Right? And you can't miss that. You can't... Your neighbor, your friend, relatives have been hardened for years... Check in on them. Because the place, I'm telling you, the environment right now is soft. Before all this happened, it was hard as it always is. You say, well, wait a minute. Yes, some people are hard, but not the ordinary average person. And my guess, my guess is a few politicians are probably softer than they've been before as well. There's something going on. There's a new season upon us. And so it's important that we give this song to the weary, to those that... Need Jesus. So all those people in that jail with Paul, they need Jesus. So God turns the table. All these people get saved, and guess what? The church in Ephesus was born that moment. One of the strongest churches in Asia came out of that little experience where somebody in the bottom of a jail began to worship and sing to God. Make your battle the Lord's battle. There's a couple of other passages that I really like. I love these. And this is why we see Paul writing these over and over again. I think it came out of his experience in that jail. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Uh, how often would that be? When I'm at work? When my job's going bad? When it's going good? <laughs> All right. You name it. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Because it works, evidently. Like, if you think about what happened to him, and he's writing these words again, He's not writing from some theoretical place, you know. He said, wow, hey, it works. Rejoice in the Lord always, I'm telling you. Then, you know, no matter what's happening to you, you know, whether you're you know, in the middle of an ocean or, you know, and you've been, you know, been shipwrecked or whether you're whatever it is, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. He says, I'll say it again. It's been my experience. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. That's interesting. Gentleness. Don't see that very often anymore. Gentleness. Be evident to how, how many would that be? One or two guys? One people, maybe in your family? Other believers? 
Oh, 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 this guy's right. The one that keeps getting beat up and put in jails. The one that ultimately had his head cut off for the gospel. Evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, every situation, appeal higher. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Oh, I like that part. With thanksgiving. How can I thank for that horrible battle? This army is coming to annihilate their existence. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's not a formula, it's an attitude. And the more you live in this attitude, the more you'll find your heart at peace. And by the way, it's in that space of peace that you can hear God's voice. It's when you're riled up and anxious, it's hard to hear. So it's worth the price of admission to do this thing just so you can hear God's voice. He may tell you to be bold as a lion. Or he may tell you just to endure patiently. But you've got to hear the voice. That's the key, right? And this rejoicing is a part of, that's how we make the Lord's battle our battle. And Paul knew that. And that's why he writes in Philippians. That's, and he's thinking about his experience, you know, other experiences he had, maybe in that, that jail. And we see it again for First Thessalonians um, 5, verses 16 to 18. This is wonderful verses. Rejoice always. How, how many times? Uh, always. Pray how many times? Continually. Give thanks in how many circumstances? All circumstances. For this is what? God's what? So, God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Then it says, verse 19, do not quench the spirit. I think that's related to the, chap- the, the verses above and below. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. It's below. But above it, so this is God's will for you. Because when you don't do that, you quench the spirit. When you quench the spirit, you can't hear God's voice. You go deaf. You can't hear. And also, hearing is really important. Not only to stay encouraged, but like I said before, sometimes God in that space will give you wisdom for the way out. God says with every testing, He'll also give you the way out. And I tell you, one thing I'm so proud of us, and it's just as I've been interfacing with everybody, many times the Lord has given us a way out. People have heard God's way out. The answer to a very difficult problem. And boy, there's some doozies out there. Do I go to work or do I not go to work? Do I get vaccinated or do I not get vaccinated? Wow, the way out. God, what is, what is the wisdom in this situation? This is a hard thing. And ah, a host of other things that we never dreamed would even be like possibilities of not doing or doing, right? Ah, so the answer is we've just got to stay in a space internally so we can do what God tells us. In this story, they did the unthinkable. Get out from behind Jerusalem. Then when you get there, let's have some praise music. Oh, good. I can just imagine. So my son, Stephen, is a soldier. So if you've ever been around a group of Marines, and we have a whole bunch working for us, I mean, they are cut out of a different deal. And uh, their training puts them in a different frame of mind, right? So can you imagine those soldiers marching to war, and they're going... Hey, put the guys out and let's do some singing. <laughs> They're all trying to psych themselves out, cut off heads and protect the fatherland, the motherland, whatever. And hey, let's sing. Okay. Oh my. I'm just thinking of, I'm thinking of the Marines I know. I can't imagine them singing before a battle. We do. <laughs> Good. (laughs) All right. Very cool. All right. So last part. This part I really like. Enjoying the plunder. (laughs) One outcome 
from battles. And this is something we're going to see. That's why you heard me say this over and over again. Double for my trouble, right? <laughs> and uh, I, pack, I pick it up from passages like we see in Second Chronicles chapter 20, right? Because what's the end of this? Not only do they win, or, man, I would have been happy if they had just gone away. But guess what? They, they left all of this stuff. They got rich off of this conflict. <laughs> they got wealthy from this problem. They didn't go into it for that, but as if the Lord, and he does this. When the God wins your battle, sometimes he just puts a little exclamation point and goes, boom, there, <laughs> right? When the men of Judah came to look at the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. They killed each other. Lord, I pray our enemies would ruin each other. Stop ruining innocent people. Pray in Jesus' name. They'd turn on one another. I pray they'd be so divided they wouldn't know how to handle it. I pray our enemies would be so divided they would start turning on one another right now. I think that's an anointed prayer. Lord, is that legal to pray? Absolutely. I heard him say it. Absolutely. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value. More than they could take away. They couldn't even carry it all away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day they assembled the Valley of Barakah where they praised the Lord. That's, this is called the, that's why it's called the Valley of Barakah uh, to this day. What an amazing story. Overwhelming victory. And I just want to just keep on this subject for a moment, just in a couple other passages of Scripture as we begin to close out here. How about Isaiah chapter 35, verses 3 to 4? Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way, say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Okay, got that? So I think we've been saying a lot of that. Your God will come, He will come with Wow. Is that legal to pray? Sure is. Right there in the book. Come with vengeance, God. You did it with them. Do it with us. With divine retribution, He will come to save you. With divine retribution, He will come to save you. What an amazing thing. He will come with vengeance, divine retribution. That's exactly what He did to their enemies, right? Amazing. James chapter 5, verses 10 to 11. I love these verses so much. I think we need to dwell on these things more and more just to help us to stay encouraged during this time. James 5, 10, 11. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the uh, prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance. Now listen to this. How many know who Job is? Well, at least you've heard of his suffering. It doesn't matter. I mean, almost anybody knows who Job is. It's even in our language. You might not know Jesus, your right hand from your left hand, anything about God, but everybody seems to know about Job because that's the one sucker that really got it. I mean, he was really in bad trouble. <laughs> He's like in the English language. Like, You have heard of Job's perseverance and seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Well, what in the world did the Lord finally, finally bring about? Job's problem. And boy, did he suffer. He lost all of his children. He lost all of his possessions, everything, in just a matter of uh, 
days or however what the time was, right? So let's read about Job here for a moment at the very end because it's really important. Somebody tell me where Job is. Job's own problem. Okay. Job, 42. Here's the end of it all. After all this whole book and everybody's accusing him of being evil, and that's why he got it, right? So he got like a double whammy. Not only did he get lose everything, including his children, but these guys are telling him it's his, it's his fault. Wow. So and then God had to show up personally and rebuke them. That would have been even worse. Can you imagine that? So look what happened as a result of all of this. So this is why I say double for your trouble. We should start praying it now. Really, look for this. More, not less. All things work together for good, right? Look, more. Anthony, more, not less. More. Speaking to him, he had a little tussle in his job situation. You have tussles in your job, school, family, whatever it is. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep. Now, as we look, read these numbers, that doesn't mean anything to you unless you know that he lost 7,000. So God gave him back double. That's why I like to say double for my trouble. 6,000 camels. He lost 3,000. 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 donkeys, right? And he also had seven sons and three daughters. Now, he lost seven sons and three daughters, and then the Lord gave him back seven sons and three daughters. Why didn't he give him 14 sons and six daughters? Because they went ahead, they're in heaven. You see them all again, right? I guess. I don't know. But anyway, still. So he names all these daughters and says in verse 15, now, now listen to this. Why, why is the Bible going to throw this in here? Is this really necessary? It's necessary because many times God goes out of his way to tell you how good he is. And it's really important. He's emphasizing something here. For 40 chapters, it's nothing but blood and guts. It's painful, right? And then he turns the table and God shows up. So he's named the first daughter, he named Jemima. The second, Keziah. The third, he's, they're naming the daughters. But look at this. Now, why would he put this in there? Not only do you have daughters, but look. This is like, God's emphasizing something. This is how good I am. This is how good a guy I am. This is how good a God I am. Nowhere in all the land were found women as beautiful as Job's daughters. Now, why would he throw that in there, for heaven's sake? Because he's just putting an exclamation point on it. And their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years. 140 years after that. Whoa. He saw his children and their children of the fourth generation. And so Job died, an old man and full of years. That's what you call an exclamation point on overcoming your difficult situations and your difficult problems. But it also reveals something to us of the nature of God, the way He is, the goodness of God. He wants you to know He's on your side. And through this trouble, He not only wants to help you through the trouble, but give you more on the other side. Right? I just think that's amazing. Good job, Mike. That's a very good word. Yeah. I know you, you're cheering for yourself. That's right, as you should be. So, going back to our story, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem, and guess what they do? They go right back to where they started, which the temple of the Lord immediately, with harps and lyres and trumpets, and then we see what happened next. The fear of the Lord came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. 
What an amazing thing. As a place of worship and praise and celebration took place, God's testimony went out to all the earth, so now these guys would never come around again. Everybody was terrified to come against Israel. Permanent peace. And I love this last passage. And this is a New Testament passage, but I've been wearing this one out. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love them, who have been called according to his purpose. What an amazing passage. Let's all stand. So I think there would be some nice business to take care of today. I'm hoping I can have a worship band and uh, my son will come up here and uh, my daughter and my wife. And my, I said that on purpose. I just want you to know how great they are. I like my kids. I like the worship. Thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do in our lives. So I think maybe in response to this, it's always good to respond to a word, is... This is what I've been doing as a result of this word. I've been doing two things. First thing is, Lord, forgive me for all my stinking, unbelieving attitudes. Forgive me for becoming like my enemies. And for those that I think are doing a bad job, forgive me. Just soften me. I just uh, need to take a moment's rest from all that. (laughs) So that's one part, I think, that probably helps me in this thing as we're talking about overcoming difficult problems. The second thing is, maybe in the midst of your suffering, just for a few moments here that we have, why don't you just worship in the middle of it? Just worship. Tell God how great he is. That's the pattern here, right? Jehoshaphat, the strategy. But Strategy or no strategy, he's worthy. And he's good. And he proved his worth by dying on a cross, shedding blood for us, and proving something else, that he's over the universe. He's king of kings and lord of lords because without that resurrection, there's just a miserable man on the cross who got disappointed. With a resurrection, there's the son of God able to resurrect all of our circumstances and all of our problems even to the point of death how amazing God is so I think that maybe the third thing would be as you worship just start asking God for something what is it that you need today and you don't have to spend a half hour hour you don't have to God already did all the sacrifice but you get to feel the lovely presence of God in your thanksgiving and your praise you get to turn the tables you can ask God for forgiveness for the bad responses look to God for a new response and a new filling and then here's the third thing I just just pray about it. tell God God here I am in this place is there something specific you want me to do in this problem that I have? If not, then I'm just going to keep praising you. So when they worshiped, God gave them a specific thing. Go. Go. Face them. Go. Wasn't exactly what they were looking for. But they did. But when they did it, they did it in a spirit of worship. They didn't do it in arrogance. They did it in a spirit of worship. And evidently, the soldiers even were okay with it. It's big, tough Marines. They sang right along with everybody else. 
I'm not sure how many of them believe that anything would happen. Right? Maybe you're not sure. It's all right. You can be unsure. But somewhere in all this worship, as we leave today, I just encourage you, pour your heart out to the Lord. Ask Him for things on the one side. And then you might want to just take a moment as you're worshiping and say, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Forward or backward? This way, that way. I'll do what you tell me to do. And if the answer doesn't come right now, maybe that come a couple hours later, maybe tomorrow, the next day. But whatever you do, make this your place of worship, a place of encountering God. Your place where Jehoshaphat went with the soldiers. This place. We're gathering here together. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So Lord, we honor you because of that. We give thanksgiving. And then we're asking also, if there's something I can do to help my situation or some reaction you want from me, the faith, and show me what it is. And the Lord, give me the courage to follow through in my situation, in my life. I think that's worth spending a little time doing this morning before we go, okay? So we'll sing a song or two. And if you need to go, feel free to go. If you could just be quiet as you go, that would be great. Don't forget your kids. But at least take a couple of minutes. Just do some business with God. Let worship clear your head and then just ask Him, Lord, show me. He might not show you right now. He might show you tomorrow, the next day. But God will listen. Especially in this atmosphere when we're sincere and God's... One thing God has right now is He got our full attention. When you give you... When you give him your full attention, heaven notices. Amen. Feel free to go whenever you like. We're just going to be worshiping you for a while. You might want to even come up in the front if it feels more comfortable to you to pray that way.